Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. I am really happy to introduce you to the social impact pioneer, Mario Elias Gonzalez. Mario and I met more than four years ago whilst he was working with Semex on their social impact and shared value programmes. His expertise reaches across social innovation and the strategy of driving responsible and inclusive business deep into the core. What Mario always brings to every conversation I've ever had with him is energy, thoughtful insight, and his Mexican perspective. I suspect we might hear a bit of that today. After more than a decade working within big businesses and with a degree in chemical engineering, an MBA, and numerous professional development accolades, Mario has recently founded his own responsible business and sustainability agency. I hope we'll hear more about that too. So Mario, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Katie. Oh, it's great to have you here. Mario, I wanted to start off our conversation today. Could you tell us a bit more about your journey that brought you into focusing on social impact, businesses in particular, and what they can deliver? Of course. Thank you, Katie. Well, actually, I would like to answer that question by sharing a very quick story about myself. When I, you know, I am studied chemical engineering, but I never, never did chemical engineering work. My first job was as, as a community relations coordinator at a wind farm. And, you know, that happened because when I was 19, the way that I choose my my, my career was by asking myself, what is it that I can do that it will be both challenging and excited? So I decided chemical engineering. And, and then while I was starting my career, I had the opportunity to do internship work in different fields, including CSR. So when I graduated, I asked myself the same question. What is it that I can do that it will be both challenging and exciting? And I decided to pursue a career in the corporate social responsibility. So I got my first job in this wind farm. And, you know, while I was doing the job, performing the job, I realized that there were a lot of issues because this wind farm was a huge project in indigenous indigenous community in a poor state here in Mexico. And there were a lot of expectations and the community wasn't ready to be part of that large project, which by the way, was part of the transition of our country to, to clean energy sources. So these people were left out and, and I was trying to help them to catch up. 
So as a community relations and social responsibility responsible, I try to use the resources to really make the connection between them and the wind energy project. So a lot of resources were spent to scholarships, but also in some wind technology, wind energy technology efforts with, with the local university. So, so you know, I, I was at that moment, and probably because my engineering background, looking to really find the sweet spot between people and, and, and these specific people and what the business was doing. So that was a huge aha moment in, in, in my life. And, and I decided to continue working in ways that I could drive uh, businesses to not only be good for uh, shareholders or for our planet, which was the case of the wind farm, but also to be good for people in a consistent way, not through uh, philanthropy. So I decided to, to pursue that path. And, and later on, I become inclusive business advisor at Semex, but I have the opportunity to really work around social innovation initiatives. Wow, that's an incredible story. But also that first, your first job ever, that's really, must be really tough to try and, you know, as a young person coming into such a complex social, you know, all the history, all the community pieces, new technology, it might, God, baptism of fire completely. And I was wondering whether I wanted to sort of take that conversation and your thoughts there, Mario, in terms of, you know, what have you learned about companies and how they can deliver their social impact and their responsibilities, but also reach that potential? I mean, on that journey that you've been on, and you mentioned a couple of companies that you've worked for there, what have you learned? What would you share with others? I started this journey 15 years ago. And I have learned that there is misunderstanding around the social impact of the company. Many business people may think that they don't have the resources to do social impact, or they don't have a team, or they are too small size companies to do social impact. That is a wrong understanding. And that is one of the things that I have learned. With or without budget, companies are having a social impact. With or without a team, obvious or not obvious, large or small, they are having a social impact. Companies don't even need to have a special department or function to measure and communicate the social outcomes of the business. Each business has functions that have social outcomes related to their work. And companies could measure and could identify where are the opportunities for us to either minimize social outcomes related to our business or maximize the social outcomes related to our business. And I will give you an example. When I was at Samax, we did 
a project as a function, as a social impact function, with the alternative fuels function. These people are working globally to support the substitution rate of the company with the waste management local ecosystems. By doing that, they are helping the municipalities to not only upgrade waste management infrastructure, but also it creates green jobs. It helps citizens to pay less taxes around waste management. And those were social outcomes totally valid for our company to to report and, and to share with others. But because alternative fuels function was very focused on the substitution rate and other related metrics, they didn't report anything related to social. But it's happening. So I think one of the lessons learned over the last 15 years for me is there are opportunities for companies to maximize social impacts that can benefit the bottom line. And what would you say to the sort of people who would, or organizations who'd be like, well, that's a nice to have, you know, there's a nice opportunity there for some who can, you know, put down the capex and make it work. But why should I bother? Why is it important for my business to even bother thinking about social impact or my purpose? Well, right now, I think in in some countries might be more relevant than others due to the inequality levels. But inequality is toxic for business, for society. So I, I, I think there are two main reasons. One has to do with this context in which businesses are doing or are creating these profits. If we left people out, then they will have people who do not trust in the institutions, who will feel civil and political unrest, and actually will make the climate crisis worse and will undermine our capacity to tackle sustainability challenges. And that, of course, will result in, in constraints for our, for our economic growth that will impact the, the, the capability of the businesses to create profitability. So although many companies might not see a particular business case, there is an ecosystem business case. Instead of asking, what is in it for me? Why should I do this? Probably a better question right now due to the context is what is in it for us? And yes, there is, there is a business case for all. And the second reason is standards. It's around standards and disclosure. Sadly, only 1% of the 1,000 most influential companies are demonstrating socially responsible business conduct through their disclosure, according to the World Benchmarking Alliance. So we have, on the other hand, 15,000 companies that have committed to the United Nations Global Compact Trend Principles. So there is a gap 
between what companies are saying that they are doing in terms of human rights and other social aspects and how they are communicating uh, their work. So I think it's, it's going to be important. And soon we will see more standards and disclosure that will drive those aspirations for companies to better disclose that information, especially against human rights. Yeah, I saw I saw the work with the WBA, the World Benchmarking Alliance, and I'll put links in for anybody who's listening into the words that sit alongside the podcast so that you can have a look to. Um, we've actually, through Business Fights Poverty, their World Benchmarking Alliance are one of our content partners, and they published a lot of that work with us. So do take a look at our website as well. You'll um, find it all there. And if you're not a member of our community, do join up and you'll be the first to hear about it. Mario, now for anybody listening, and if you know Mario, he is a live wire ball of energy. And I've made him be really calm (laughs) in this podcast. I've dared him to to relax. But I think I'm going to get him really bouncy again now with my next question. Because Mario, you've been working at the kind of coalface of social impact, innovation, particularly in emerging markets and looking at how you embed that into multinational companies. And you, as you mentioned, you've been doing that for over a decade, 15 years. And I was wondering whether you could share not necessarily that entire journey of the social impact innovation, more on what has changed in that time. What have you seen evolving um, on that journey that you've been on? Sure. Well, first of all, let me share with you that there are some particularities of running social innovation from a large corporation in emerging markets. Some uh, particularities include that, well, coming from a large corporation, there might be a CSR department in which we may have a place to incubate social innovation, a safe place to test ideas. So that is one advantage or particularity coming from large corporation. Also, on the other hand, working in emerging economies makes somehow easy to find the sweet spot between the core business and a social issue. It's it's sadly, but it, it can be easier than uh, developed markets to find, you know, there are so many things that we can do that uh, make it easy somehow to find an opportunity that can be both profitable for the business and impactful from the people's side. So in my experience over the two last decades, social innovation has shifted from probably seizing market opportunities when we were trying to let's increase our market share to strengthening the sustainability performance of the company. So there was a time in which the companies that were doing this not only used the social innovation to increase their market share, but also to demonstrate somehow the consistent 
of their sustainability performance in, in those countries. And I think there is another shift coming for social innovation. And that has to do with the just transition. I think that the social innovation muscles can be seized to address these impacts that will emerge due to the transition to uh, a low carbon business. So we need to be very innovative to address the impacts of the decarbonization of the businesses. And, and I think social innovation will come to play a role in which all that we have learned over the last decades will help people not being left out and business be more strategic around how they are not only decarbonizing their business, but taking the S in ESG forward. And if you were to share advice with practitioners, so with people who are perhaps sitting within a bigger business, who are looking down that, well, the barrel of the gun, quite frankly, of that, whether it's the transition to a low carbon economy or whether it's the, quite frankly, you know, post-COVID, conflict-ridden, migration, big poverty issues coming down the pike. What would be your advice to, to those sorts of practitioners within those companies? I have an advice that is um, kind of five things. The easy thing is there are five C's, and I'm going to share, uh, share them very quickly. So the first C stands for consistent, and that means we need to be consistent with our business priorities. We need to be consistent with purpose. Are we doing this because we are giving back to community or are we doing this because we want to increase our market share? Are we doing this because we need to comply with our clients' requirements? So I mean, depends on why are you doing this is the set of capabilities, is the how you are bringing together a team, how uh, you are bringing together a set of metrics. So in the first place, be consistent. The second C stands for human-centric. I think we need to make sure that we are building businesses that are addressing people's needs and stakeholders' expectations. And I think when we use this human approach, it will not only include employees or customers, but also community members, suppliers, and, and shareholders. The third C stands for climate-oriented. Given the relevance of the climate risks, we cannot talk about social innovation without anticipating the impacts of the climate change. Today, we are doing many efforts to address the poverty, especially now in the context of the pandemic. We are focusing on support these people. And I think we need to keep in mind that even if we achieve the 1.5 or 2 degrees goal, there will be an imminent impact on climate. So we need also to think through 
what impacts we need to anticipate for the people that we are supporting today. How, uh, what plans climate change has for this for the people that I am supporting today, and and work around their resilience and and their skills and 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 with that mindset to to make sure that we are anticipating a climate change. Uh, the fourth C stands for compelling, and that is the story that you need to tell. What we need to communicate in a very compelling way. What are we doing and why we are doing this? So, you know, people not only within the company, but outside will understand why are we doing this? And lastly, the last C stands for cost effective, and that is the business case. We need to make sure that we have the financial and the non-financial outcomes of, of this and we are communicating to the different stakeholders. And I would like to add to that that uh, Climate 100, they are already piloting a set of metrics that has to do with the just transition. So there is an opportunity for us to add value to the uh, trans just transition agenda by communicating you know, those efforts. There are nine indicators as practitioners that we could contribute through, through social innovation. So those are my recommendations for practitioners. And I was just wondering, you, as you were talking, you were talking about the stakeholders and really understanding, and obviously your, your background has come from that kind of community conversations. I was wondering if you had any advice or insights that you would share with those who are potentially not within companies but looking at companies and how they should behave you know if you're working with an organization who's surrounding or on in the sort of wider system of a bigger business what, what should they know they should know what these organizations or these businesses really care about well there are ways for them to to get some information about what the priorities for these uh, businesses are, I would recommend them to talk to people and to observe companies where the priorities are based on where they are focusing by spending resources. I think the best way to see what the priorities are is to find the place where they are putting their money, their energy, and time. So, and that might be different, again, depending on the location. In Europe, just climate change and other environmental issues are a top priority for decision makers and companies, and, and we can expect those insights. Uh, from their agendas and priorities. In other markets, in, in emerging economies, social issues are at the top of the agendas, not necessarily for businesses, but for, you know, generally speaking, for public leader, uh, opinion leaders, social issues are at the top. And let me give you an example. The 2022 World Economic Forum Risk Report 
shows that globally, just yes, top concerns are related to climate change. But when you go to a specific countries, you see different top concerns of top risks. For Colombia and Turkey, you will see employment and livelihoods crisis. For Mexico, crime. And for Philippines, economic issues. So if you are pursuing to engage with large corporations, make sure that you find the sweet spot between what these companies care about, what their main risks in, in these locations are, and what you do well. So you can have a conversation that can be material or relevant for both the organizations and the context. Once again, really, really useful advice. Thank you so much, Mario. And we're drawing to the end of our conversation today. And I was wondering if you could look into your crystal ball for us. <laughs> if you were looking at ahead and the, your horizons, I know that you're now in a space where you're looking at and working with lots of different companies and organizations in different parts of the world. And I was wondering what are the trends that you're seeing that perhaps others aren't seeing? What can you see coming down the pipe? Well, I see three trends. One is the S in ESG is taking the shape of Jedi, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. So I see more and more companies doing the right thing before the business case when it comes to people, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Second, I see companies, especially in emerging economies, working around human rights disclosure. Social innovation, inclusive businesses, those were ways for companies probably four or five years ago to engage around the S in ESG. I think today we need to back to basics and talk more about human rights across our value chain. So I think that will be another trend and, and mainly driven by disclosure and standards. And I see uh, as a third trend that social innovation will play a key role in the just transition. How can we support employees and suppliers to upgrade skills, working with government and and companies together to help people in impacted industries to find new ways of income generation. That would be a huge opportunity for social innovation muscle to play a role. On the demand side, I think there will be also opportunities. According to the IPCC report, the demand of all industries, consumers, have the potential to reduce 40 to 70% emissions by 2050. So I think social innovation will be key player, not only on engaging with consumers to, for companies to achieve its net zero ambitions, but a way to empower them and to empower not only consumers, but also citizens. So I think these three trends 
will be my predictions. Well, Mary, this is like a masterclass in how to set your social impact strategy. For anybody listening, I hope you've taken copious notes. I have. And basically just do everything that Mario says, and then you will have your social impact strategy for the next, well, at least 12 months, if not further. Mario, I wanted to close our conversation with one final question today. What's next for you? Where are you going? What are you up to? Well, you know, I trying to make the most out of my experience in this new context in which yes, climate change is a crisis, but also we have a lot of opportunities to reduce inequalities and poverty in many countries where we have food, health, energy system shifted to, to the war and, and we have inflation and and so I'm, so I'm trying to try bring all these things together and to help businesses to be more uh, just businesses, equity, diversity, and inclusion-driven businesses beyond the individual business case. I think, yes, there are business case for individual companies, but there is system business case for all of us. So I will be soon, hopefully, sharing and communicating an invitation, a call to action to work together around these things in a systemical way. When you're ready, Mario, please, please come back to us. We'd love to hear and um, share across the Business Fights Poverty community and beyond. So I wanted to draw our conversation to close today. Mario, thank you so much for joining us. And as I say, for sharing such a wise masterclass with us. Thank you so much, Katie. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 